Hello and welcome to the All Blacks edition. What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the All Blacks. That's what we're going to talk about this evening. Um, I'll be honest, we're a bit freeform this evening. We haven't, uh, haven't got a big running script or anything like that. So it's going to be a matter of how much time can myself and Steve waffle on for about All Black stuff. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very, very well. And if anyone's ever tuned into my videos, um, I can waffle for quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> Absolutely, you can waffle for some time. So, um, I guess I mean, I've entitled this "The Quiet Before the Storm" because basically that's what I, that's what it feels like this week is kind of it's, it's, there's no international action this weekend, um, the, the last weekend before the Rugby World Cup. Obviously, we'll have a show next Wednesday evening where we'll be sort of previewing that uh, the Springbok game. Um, so, so we won't go into that in necessarily that much detail right now. But um, I guess before we sort of look forward. We should uh, look back um, at uh, Tonga, um, All Blacks versus Tongan. Was it 90-something-7 in the end? 92? Um, 92-7. That's that's it, right? <laughs> the, um, and I'll be honest, I, I've seen the highlights. I didn't bother watching that. I was, actually, I was at a Mighty Sync Up game, so I didn't see the actual game itself. Uh, but, I say, I, but I have seen the highlights. But... Um, Listening to all the commentary, basically, George Bridge is the next messiah. <laughs> He's been like that for a while, hasn't he? I mean, form, form tells a big story, doesn't it? In, in an All Blacks jersey. Um, poor old Rico. He's going to have a tough job. I mean, what's he looking forward to? Namibia or Canada? Because yep. he's going to have a tough job, isn't he, to get a, his spot back or that number 11 jersey back? Because she's... I don't, I don't know if it's a, a George Bridge... Is he that... Okay, he's a good player. Obviously, he's an All Black. Um, he's up there as one of the best wingers in the country. But we've seen the best of him as a, a bit of a minnow bully, haven't we? Really, he burst on the scene with an All Black jersey against Japan, and boy, he looked impressive there. But I mean, Japan's okay, but I mean, they're not Springboks, are they? For yep. example, um, and then he's kind of beat up on Tonga, which was again impressive, and he, he showed great abilities in what he did. But it, it's not the Springboks, or it's not England, it's not Ireland, it's not Wales. Uh, so how much can we read into that is, is a big question for old George Bridge. But to, to credit him, you got to beat what's put in front of you. And his chances have come against those teams. He's probably looked the best player on the paddock and those chances he's had. So take nothing away from him. He's um, done the job. And to be fair, I don't know how well do you think Rico would have done in those games. It's uh, probably one you'd probably look at and say, should have he got the shot to see just how badly out of form he is? Or is it something else? Well, that's the question. Is, it, is is what would Rico have done in those games um, again uh, last year or in 2017, 2018? And what would Rico do in those games in 2019? I think are two different things entirely. Really, aren't yeah. Um, he, he has not. He looked good for the first few games of the season. Had a week off, as per All Blacks protocols, and has never been the same since. You know what I put it down to. So oh, blues syndrome. Blues. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, that's what you get here, folks. In-depth <laughs> analysis. Um, real, absolute. I, I don't know. Um, you could say that. I mean, there's, there's a part of it uh, is that he seems to be. And maybe he was doing it before, but when you're out of form, these are the kind of things that sort of pop up, um, and. Uh, and yeah, Joshua asks us in the chat, Rico will play against the box, he says. I thought it was going to be a question. No, no, yeah, I thought it was, is he going to? Um, and he just seems to be getting involved in aggro and things like his brother does. Uh, and you're thinking, well, look, was he doing this when he was informed? Maybe, maybe we just overlooked it and just, but it's the kind of thing that pops up when someone is not informed um, and not scoring. You look at that and go, is his head in the right place? Is he trying too hard? Is he this? Is he that? Is he the other? Who knows um, at the end of the day? But the yeah, I, I'd, I at the moment George Bridge is starting against the Springboks. I look at it the fact of the Blues syndrome. If he was playing for the Crusaders, so let, let's swap Rico and, and Bridge across, shall we? Let, let's put uh, a Bridge up in up in Auckland and, and put Rico down the Crusaders. How yeah, much of a different sort of player? I think you might have. A, would you get better out of him? Would have he been? a more complete player than he is at the stage of the game. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, but you just see so many players, um, especially outside backs at the Crusaders, that 
just flourished under that system and, and look, I think, a lot better than potentially they actually are. And the, the biggest example I can ever put to that is Caleb Ralph. Now, I don't know if you remember Caleb Ralph or, or what your stage of... Oh, jeez. Okay, so anyone in the comments who's watching this, um, Caleb Ralph, uh, possibly one of the most average wingers, I think, it's probably ever put on the black jersey. Um, good catch of the ball, and he could fall over when he found the try line. He was an all right player, but he was never an X-Factor all black. But against, or on this Canterbury or the Crusaders back line, when you had Mertens or, and you had Carter in that stage as well, you had those sort of guys, um, you had Major, he had a lot of talent, and he was just getting the ball on a platter, and he scored tries for fun, and it made him look like a sensational player. But was he as good as, as the others around the, the world if you put him in a one-on-one situation? And in similar situations, I would definitely argue no chance at all he's anywhere near them. So I think Bridge looks great on the back of that back line. He looks great on the back of the All Blacks back line as well because he gets that similar service through those guys. Um, and I think Rico just misses that when he's, he's not in the black jersey. And it's kind of a thing that he needs to um, probably regularly get a better team around him, I think. Um, and that's... I, I personally would put that down to the Blues. You know, if you put him in the Crusaders, I think you'd be a much better player. And I think you put anyone in the Crusaders and they're a much better player. Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The, I mean, one of the things, um, a, a couple of comments in the chat. Oh, actually, before I get to that, constant chat, I'm going to talk about this. Um, wing, especially, is a confidence position, isn't it? You're going to get the ball once or twice a game in a position where you can score. Now, do you have the confidence to do what you do well and take the player on? Or do you are, are you, you second-guessing yourself and thinking, oh, should I do this, should I do that? Or do you, and, and that, to me, uh, I think is, is probably, as you said, that, that might be part of what you're talking about in, in your Blues syndrome, really, is that, yes, is that uh, because he's not uh, not got the confidence of playing in a good side, Rico Wine is second-guessing himself and is, is not coming out coming out with the goods. Whereas you look at George Bridge, um, Sevier Reese, um, they, they're just playing with confidence. Everything they touch just turns to gold at the moment. And uh, things are going well because they believe they'll go well. Uh, and it's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, basically, uh, at the moment. So, the, yeah, I, I, I agree with that point. But you don't want to be building up someone's confidence in a Springbok game, I'm afraid. That's why, yeah, it's, it's the wrong time. Maybe, may, yeah, maybe he should have been playing um, against Tonga to try and get his confidence back. Um, but I think um, one of the things about George Bridge, though, is that he is, and, and this was in one of the things I was reading uh, today, it, it, it's true, is he's in the right place at the right time. He, he's a hard worker. He gets himself around the pitch. He's looking for work, which isn't generally something that you associate with Rico Iwani on the whole. Um, he's very good in the wing. He'll come in off for set moves. But he's not someone that necessarily is always floating there and looking for that opportunity. In the same way that Sever Reese isn't either, um, to be honest. Um, Brett also says, yeah, George Bridge looks good on D. Uh, and having the fullback experience that he's had, he's also solid under, the, under that high ball, um, which is um, which is very good. Um, but one of the comments in here, uh, scroll back up for it, is all Blacks wings are so competitive. Now, I, I it, it, to me actually, apart from Locke, where, it, where 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 there really is, it is quite quite thin. I think wing, wingers has actually want to be one of the thinnest areas in in um, in the squad for uh, uh, for the All Blacks at the moment. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you on that. Uh, mainly, there just hasn't seemed to be that uh, next wave really coming through, and it, it has been a bit of a concern in a while because when you're looking at All Black teams. There's been quite a lot of um, guessing, I guess, as to who's going to, you know, fill those positions. And I mean, Ben Smith is is another great example of um, what you're saying, the, the lack of, I guess, depth there in that position. Because who really wants to play him on the wing? Who really wants to see Geordie Barrett on the wing? No. If we're in a sorry. Uh, no, no, not not, not no. Geordie Barrett. God no. Exactly. Uh, and we're in a situation where Geordie Barrett and Ben Smith have been playing on the wing um, because is there better options out there? Is there more confidence? Do you want to start blooding these guys at what stage? You've got to pull them out somewhere. And I mean, they've kind of struggled to really pick out who those guys are. Now, 
they have found a few guys. I mean, when you've got the talent coming through, like Brad Nino, who's not even going to the World Cup, he's going to be a guy that's really going to be amazing for a long, long time. But they did struggle to really find those guys. Rico held down that fort for a long time. They struggled on the right wing with injuries to guys like Milner Scudder, who just couldn't quite grab that for himself for a long period because he kept getting broken. And it's just been in and outs all over the places and never really found a, a proper home. And then when Rico lost that form, it's like, okay, we've got an out-of-form winger on one side. We've got a broken fill gap. We're putting the, the no more gap spray in there to fill that side. We don't have that outside finishing ability. Don't have that talent um, to change a game like all black wingers so often could in the past. You know, those guys could... Rakufoko has just announced his retirement. What a player he was. An X-Factor guy who could do amazing. Sivivatu, you know, you go through all those guys. Back to the Jonah Lomu days, the Jeff Fulson days. They just made something out of nothing. They were X-Factor, they were finishers, they were blockbusters. They were game-breakers. And when you've got Geordie Barrett on the wing, that doesn't screen game-breaker uh, at all. So they, they, had to, they were at the end of the road, I think, and they just had to take a plunge on someone. And as they often do, all black coaches, they just get lucky and they get it right. Yeah, I think if we look at the, the, the planning for the wings heading towards this Rugby World Cup, um, Julian Sevilla had a four-year contract up to this year, but uh, clearly he slowed down uh, all of a sudden and it wasn't the player that he was, and hence they uh, and he had to go. Rico Iwani's come in, did done very well, um, and that's fine, but you've then got um, Israel Dagg, who played on the wing and did uh, post-Rugby World Cup, had went went on actual real great scoring sc- scoring stree, uh, spree um, in 2016, <laughs> but then basically broke and now has, has had to retire. So if you've lost him, you've lost Neymar and Scudder through, again, basically injuries. And then you've got Naholo, who hasn't, who is uh, still very good, and, and but doesn't quite seem to be at that peak. So you've got four wingers there who were, were planned as being part of the depth chart for this Rugby World Cup, not available and disappeared. And I think that's what's happened is that the, the forward planning that the All Blacks had in place suddenly fell apart. And they're like, oops, Daisy, <laughs> quick, folks, <laughs> look around, who's there? Um, and you've ended up with, uh, as George Bridge, very uh, inexperienced rel- um, in, at this kind of level, uh, and Severis, ex- zero experience, really, let's be honest. Um, what, three quarters of a Super Rugby season under his belt, that's it. Uh, so you've... Um, and the fact that he only got an opportunity because uh, Israel Dagg got injured and retired is, and now he's in, now he's in the All Blacks. I mean, talk about Bolter. Uh, that um, that really is there, and everything's just fallen into place for him. But you've got to say he he has stepped up and taken his opportunity with both hands when he's had it, um, and that some other other players haven't done. But that's and uh, but the, it's really opened up because those four wingers all. Didn't quite come through, or did, didn't? Sorry, didn't. Not they didn't come through. Didn't survive um, long enough until the World Cup. Isn't it amazing how four years ago we were sitting here stressing um, about um, Waisaki Naholo getting leaves put on his legs and and whatever it was to make himself fit again, and and now we sit here and it's like not even a, a really. He didn't even get a mention that he didn't make the squad. I know he was out of favour. He didn't play in the rugby championship and pretty much hadn't seen much rugby in a black jersey for a while, but. Four years, I mean, they go. you would have said after that World Cup in 2015, you would have said, yep, well, Waisaki's only whatever he was, 23, 24 or so at that time, or you know, he's, he's got another World Cup at least um, in his bank, but not not even a whimper, not even a, a, a shadow of him for poor old Waisaki. has been a, a great, um, and he does bring that X factor, but just hasn't had the year, I think, um, that he probably was saying experience. It's probably the one position you can get with putting inexperienced guys um, because you don't huge huge amount. You put an experienced guy in at 10 or 9, um, you're going to lose you know, a lot of sort of systems in there as well. So you can get away with it at the, at the sides, I do think. They, like say earlier, they don't get a huge amount of chances. Flints, young guys, they bring confidence, don't they, because they're out there, they're playing on that big stage, the adrenaline, it's all pumping through these, uh, and that just brings out those those things. And that's why, I guess generally you don't see wingers going into this sort of thing that at tier um, nations and issue Australia who likes bringing them back and, you know nothing against Drew Mitchell there but uh, yeah the, the guys it's a young young man's game out in the wing and it's that uh, ability that that like say that adrenaline that rush that thrill um, that's what they bring and and they keep finding them don't they and uh, injuries shame old injuries I feel sorry for a guy like Milner Scudder 
he could have had a great all-black career. Yep. I mean, Naholo 28, as you say, yeah. So he's um, and, and off to... Good guess. Sorry? Good guess. Yep, good guess. Well done. Um, and he's off to uh, London Irish, I think it is, next season. So, yeah, good luck to him up in England. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, and also and he's playing well for Taranaki at the moment as well. So he's there and available if injuries do come into uh, effect. And, uh, yeah, you've got to do... You've, you've got to um, have the injuries. And um, Laomapi, Braden Enor... Two players who, yes, will be staying fit, will be making themselves available to their, their provinces because they will be the first names uh, that, that, uh, that they'll be phoned up for if we have back um, backs uh, getting injured. Um, both class players, let's be honest. Um, so uh, Brent Cairns also says, uh, also Brent Cairns, um, I reckon the All Blacks know they'll be going backwards a lot um, and defence to, uh, to get back on D. Um, the uh, I mean, yes, with with George Bridge, but with Sever Reese, not what I would consider to. So, the the All Blacks set up. Let's be honest, for a, a long time, has been your attacking wing on the left hand side. So, Julian Surveyor, Rico Iwani, before that, uh, Rokokoko, Savavatu, on the right wing, is much more your fullback, converted, uh, defensive one, uh, solid in the high ball. Ikori Jane, Israel Dag. Um, uh, ben Smith style over there. Um, Neymar Scudder also uh, has played fullback as well. Naholo was the guy who stood out as being different to that. But Severis does not fit that mould of a All Blacks right wing, does he? No, not at all. But I mean, they've kind of swapped the roles around, haven't they? With getting a sort of bridge player over on that left-hand side instead so he can do the, the covering at the back. And I mean, he reminds me of a Ben Smith player. He, he just doesn't seem to make too many errors. He's very strong. He's very solid. Um, he's nothing over the top fancy like you normally see from these Fijian or uh, sort of wingers uh, like Sevi Reese um, that just do the unthinkable flying, you know, dragon kicks to, to tow a ball ahead. Um, so, so, stop, 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 stop. What is a dragon kick? <laughs> The try against Australia, where he's in mid-air, flying, half-tripped over, and still managed to kick it. <laughs> call, it call it what you like. That, that's what I'm calling it. We should um, patent in that name for the, <laughs> the flying dragon kick for a loose ball in rugby. Uh, but that's what that's what the X-Factor player brings. Uh, so that's what he can do. I mean, yeah, swap it over. Doesn't matter. You've still got, you know, you've still got, I guess, three guys who can very easily cover back there because Moanga does it if he's going to play ten. You see him at the back quite often. Him and Barrett are going to swap around. Um, Bridge is always going to be comfortable back there. Uh, they're pretty well covered, and their, their structure will will suit and change as to who's on that field. But I think they can allow uh, to have yeah, that big attacking guy on the right instead of the left. I mean, rules are made to be broken. Guidelines. I like Brett's, Brent's um, comment in the, the chat. Karate kid kick. Um. That works. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Okay, another question then. Does uh, George Bridge passing running game remind you both of Israel Dag in style, running motion, I mean? What do you think? Now, this will probably put <clears throat> make people unhappy, but I'm not the biggest Israel Dag fan in the world. Um, much more than I was a Caleb Ralph fan, though, I'll say that much. So, <laughs> yeah, pretty similar. I'd say they're fairly similar. Um, I think Israel Dag was much more of a, a, a fullback than he was a wing, and Bridge is more of a wing than he was a fullback. Israel Dag definitely liked to pick his his holes, pick his places to attack. Um, he was very good at out-accelerating off-the-mark players, um, getting on their outside and just managing to do enough to keep away from them. Uh, Bridge is a guy that uh, gets involved, does a lot of similar sort of work, um, but I think the difference in roles as to where they're going to probably find their most um, their place where they're going to come into the back line a lot more. But you're very similar in the way that they actually can attack and the way that they um, run their lines. So we're very safe at defence, good under the high ball. Um, but I think George Bridge needs to learn how to run in, with his mouth open and his tongue out if he's going to really master the Israel Dag style. <laughs> oh, dear. But, yeah, no, you, I, I, I get where he's coming from, though. And, uh, yeah, Definitely. I can see the similarities uh, between the... Um, between the two players. Um, any other kind of major talking points from, or any other talking points full stop from the uh, from the Tonga game? 
it was hard. It's hard to get too many talking points from that Tongan game because they were kind of just out game planned, the Tongans. And I think, yeah, the All Blacks look good. But the Tongans, I think, look probably the worst that they've been in quite some time. Uh, even with all the build-up they've had, the, the Pacific Nations Cup and a lot of rugby they've played, they kind of look like they were meeting each other for the first time in a lot of instances. The defence was quite disjointed. Um, if, if they got broken, they were just a complete shambles. They had no idea what was going on at all. Uh, it, was, it was disappointing, to be honest. Um, yes. No, I, I, thought... I, 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 I watched the highlights because I kind of had to. Um, but when, when you see 92-7, yeah, that doesn't really turn me on and go, yay, let's watch that game. I mean, a couple of questions we had going into this game, though, I think were, could Patrick Tupelotu, um back up his uh, performance and put in another performance? Uh, and I guess it's hard to say, looking at that game, as to whether he had a, a good or a bad game. I, mean, I think everyone looked good in that game. Yeah, you're right. Everyone did look pretty good. It, it, you couldn't... I, I couldn't pick an all-black player and say they had a really, really bad game. Um, Adi Savia just looked like a freak. I mean, I find it highly, I found it highly ironic that he actually swapped shirts with Lola here, who was on the left wing for Tonga, who he skinned with pace probably five times in that game, just out and out, 11 versus six. Or was it six? You want a six? Yep. You just you don't expect 11 versus six to see the six scorching the guy, and 11 is going, ah. Can't even keep up with the guy. Uh, that, that's just how crazy good Adi uh, Savia is. And um, he was a standout because he got to play his seven sort of style, probably more than he would have against a, a top-tier nation. He got to be out and get the, the legs going a bit more than he normally would have. But uh, that, that was, that was yeah, a bit of a highlight, I guess you'd call it. But they all look pretty good. The scrum looked good. Um, so, hang on. So was, big... was, that, was that the seven style or the sevens style? Play more sevens rugby rather than on a 15s pitch. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously the scrum is going to be good. I mean, other, 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 just two other names that obviously come out because they are so raw. Uh, Luke Jacobson um, and um, Aaron Smith, basically. Aaron Smith? No, Aaron Smith. Sorry, um, Joshuani. Because Joshuani got oh, the whole second half to me. I felt sorry for Joshuani. I, I, I touted him after he made that kick as his first kick, and it looked great. And I was like, yes, it's going over. And I went to edit the score. And then hit the post. Um, that was a real shame. I was going, yes, here he is. Welcome to, to Test Match Rugby, Joshuani. You, you set that try up brilliantly. And yeah, you've nailed the conversion from the sideline. And then the score hadn't changed. So yeah, Josh looked good. I mean, he needed that run out. And, and I said during that game, he needs to come on at halftime. Um, Jacobson needs to come on at halftime. Those two, more than anything, had to get as much game time as possible. And, and I'm pretty happy to see that they did come on. Um, right at the break. So it was good for him. Get out there, get that cap out of the way and start that all-black career because who knows? Who knows what could happen? Second game of the World Cup, he could be sitting on the pine and um, could be a, a necessary part of, of that um, all-blacks campaign. If I was going to pick out probably the disappointing part for the all-blacks in that matchup, would I think be the overall ball retention. They got pretty snaffled at the breakdown a lot by Tonga. Um, which um, it's hard to credit Tonga because they were pretty patchy in a lot of areas, but they have a pretty decent back row and, and they did cause some trouble. And the All Blacks lost a lot of ball um, from in their own position. So they, they'll probably be a bit upset that they got um, done over a bit in the, in the breakdown, I think. Um, yeah, so just going back on your Joshuaani point, I mean, somebody, uh, well, John O'Connor sort of mentioned that, uh, well, congratulations, Steve Hansen, you've, you've won captain. No one else can nick him now. Um, <laughs> and I think there's a bit more to it than that. I don't think, I think we'll see Joshuani in and around the All Black squad um, for, for a number of years to come. So I don't think, yes, I, I, don't, think he, I don't think he'll end up being a one-cap wonder. Um, interesting about the breakdown when you consider that Ardi Surveyor, Matt Todd, uh, Matt Todd is supposed to be a breakdown guy um, and Kieran Reid, that, you, that they, they should have been able to, to handle that. Um, so that might be a slight uh, concern, but not not a big one. Uh, another another. Have I heard? Have we heard anything about why Patrick Tuipulotu has come back into form? Um, yes, we have actually. Uh, apparently, uh, he's been much um, he's been much much more careful with his diet uh, and has changed his diet considerably uh, to improve his fitness um, this season. Uh, and that might be why we're seeing him being able to um, put it out in the park more consistently, rather than maybe looking a bit. A bit um, a bit fatigued and not actually making, not being, not having the energy, or uh, to, to to do what he what he can do. 
So yeah, so from from what I hear, he hasn't. Yes, he, uh, nutrition is the big change factor to velocity this season. Mm. Made a difference. Uh, yeah, it's amazing how, how that does make a difference. Um, that because uh, I mean, one of the things we talk uh, um, that we do talk about is, or well, I mean, one of the famous sayings that the two thousand and three England team had was um, teacup or thinking clear under pressure, um, and that basically it's you, you can have fantastic skills. But if you don't have the fitness, um, you'll be fatigued and you won't be able to use those skills. Uh, and, and so if you can uh, keep that fatigue or get, get used to working under fatigue and, and manage your fatigue better, you can look a much better player because you're maintaining your skill for longer during the game. Um, and that might be what we're seeing here. Uh, we might also be seeing the fact that his recovery might be better as well because of his uh, nutrition and hence he's, he's more ready for the next game. Because it was consistency that the problem that we that we always said with him, and maybe that's that he's got his that the nutrition's helped his recovery, so he's more ready for the next game than he's been in the past. But he I'm needs just to be. speculating a bit there. <laughs> I mean, they needed, don't they? They they needed oh. him, and they needed probably more, especially now without Homopo to be coming in as as a bit of a backup. So, yeah, it's getting a bit light those those locking departments. Um, but uh, I sure, yeah. He, he did look good. He looked really good against Australia. It was, I get easy to look good against against Tonga when the whole squad really did. Um, but yeah, consistency, and he'll have to back that up and against South Africa. So that's going to be his ultimate test, isn't it, to to do that again for him? Um, you mentioned Matt Todd before. I I'm not solidly convinced about old Matt Todd. I thought he was probably one of the guys the least impressive, I guess you could say. But Matt Todd is a sort of player, when you watch that game, that you don't really see a lot of the stuff that he does. But his, his ball carrying certainly uh, wasn't that great. You'd kind of miss him out when he was doing pick and goes, I think, because he did get quite dismantled by the, the Tonga defence. But, yeah, it's 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 he's, he's a Reuben Thorne. He's Mr. Invisible. Um, so I, I'm not going to be too critical of him because I think he did a lot of work around that game that you don't see, which even against a team mm. like Tonga, when you're dominating... You've still got to do that hard work. Um, and I guess to, to a certain extent, you say the same of, about a Sam Kane too. But he, his ball carrying, I think, if he does a bit more of that, um, a bit better, goes actually forward, um, yeah, he'll be a, certainly a good little replacement. Yeah, my kind of difference between Kane and Todd is, I think Todd prefers to be a second man in the in to get over the ball, whereas Sam Kane is the guy that actually makes the tackles. So you'll see Sam Kane high on that tackle count, whereas I think you might not, again, that's another stat you just might not see Matt Todd doing much of. Um, for those of you that follow the channel or follow the, the Driving More channel more than perhaps the All Blacks channel, uh, what you might, well, what you will know is that I've been getting around my 10 Cup games this season. Um, I'm going to three games this weekend, but I've decided I, ha I now have a new question that I'm going to be asking all the coaches, which is, which, um, we, as all those amateur analysts who basically go off the Opta stats um, and try and say, oh, such and such won this game because of territory and possession, or they, uh, or it's turnovers, or, or whatever. So my question for them is: What is one stat that they think is important that they check every week? Um, so we're gonna, it's going to be interesting to see what stats they come back with. Um, I, I, I asked the question for the first time last weekend um, to the head coach of the um, Auckland uh, Farrah Palmer Cup team, and for him it was um, first up tackles, basically because if you don't make that first up tackle the opposition have breached the gain line, they're on the front football, and everything just flows from that. So for him, um, first up tackle percentage. So, so not tackle percentage itself, but first up tackle tackles made is the stat that he's uh, that he looks at each week. So that was interesting. And as I say, I'm looking at going around the other coaches to build up a kind of list um, from all the different coaches, from the different coaches to see what their kind of one stat, important one stat is going forwards. That's intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> um and if you and if you're new to the channel um uh or, or you kind of don't uh are wondering what the channel's about it's based me as a fan sort of learning more about the game in some ways uh with these interviews because um there's uh there's so much that goes on that we're not kind of aware of uh and so i, I learn something every time i talk to these coaches and that's what i try and ask is these intriguing questions um Really fascinating last weekend to actually sit in with a head coach drawing a game. Um, uh, it's, uh, and I've done a, a, a supporters special 
um, about that. So if you want to uh, understand what it's like being in a coach's box during a game, then become a supporter of the, of the channel. Link down below in the notes, patreon.com forward slash driving more. Uh, and you can um, uh, watch that. You can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. So um, head down there and uh, help put some food on my table. So, so I think that's probably all there is to say about last week, last weekend, isn't it? Pretty much in a nutshell. Yeah, it's 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 kind of hard to uh, pick too much about the All Blacks when I think Tonga were, yeah, a, a bit average, a bit a bit skittery, a bit all over the place. Not not the challenge we probably would have liked to see from them, which is a bit of a shame. Um, you kind of what I thought they might have been a bit like. Uh, the Samoans were over the ditch, giving a bit more of a, a challenge to there, a bit more of that. They'd expect the sort of play that we're used to them. But, I mean, you got to credit the All Blacks. They they made that, didn't they? They made that. They they put them under pressure. They clearly didn't handle it too well, and, and it just flowed. It just flowed on in the floodgates. So, well and truly open uh, pretty quickly. Tries flowing everywhere. But at least Tonga got their try. And uh, you got to be happy for that person in the crowd that had the sign saying, just one try, please, Tonga. And they got that wish. They got that wish. And it was cool. The captain scored it. What, what more could you want? They got their one try. They got that moment. It's that moment. Okay. Uh, do the All Blacks use GPS tracking tools um, in their training or even while they are playing? Yes. And yes, again, they do. Um, so what, uh, when you get yourself a replica jersey, um, it's, uh, it doesn't have a pocket um, in between the shoulder blades for a GPS unit. And that's how you can tell the difference between a real playing jersey and a replica jersey, is that real playing jerseys have a, um, a pocket. Now, it's not just a piece of cloth sewn in. It's a it's kind of a rubber pocket that's on the inside of the jersey. Um, and that's why you'll sometimes see a, a, a stitched square um, in between the shoulder blades on these jerseys. But, um, uh, yeah, it wasn't until I actually saw... Um, I'm trying to think. I've got a photo somewhere, but it's it'll be difficult for me to pull it out quickly. Uh, where I actually took a photo of the the, the pocket that takes that um, they put the GPS unit in. Uh, so yes, now some some players now or some teams nowadays wear a kind of um, uh, sort of man bra kind of thing to and have the pocket in that as a kind of undergarment um, rather than actually in the jersey itself. But um, but yes, they do. Uh, and having been to uh, some of the Waikato training sessions this year, you'll uh, they 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 have a special tripod they put up so that actually collects all the data live, um, and they can actually look on a uh, the, the coaches can look on an iPad um, as they are as they're training to see what heart rates and uh, various players are are at. So there you go. Little insight there. Um, what they also do, um, and again you can. Uh, if you look at my behind-the-scenes video, I can't remember if this one's public or if this one's just for supporters, but I had a chat with one of the, the performance analysts of Taranaki last year, and he tells you, he, he explains how they code up games, um, which is kind of interesting as well. So you, you can go watch that video on the Driving More channel. There we go. Double two two. Well done. <laughs> So, did, what did, what did you make of the, uh, the the temperature in Japan? And uh, someone from oh, uh, what's the university down in Dunedin? Anyway, whatever it's called, Dunedin University. Otago. Otago University. Here we go. <laughs> um, so, a physician from Otago University is going to say yes. Oh, two weeks is enough time for players to acclimatise to the the temperature and the humidity. Yeah, I'm not so sure I agree with him on that one. I don't know. Running around in Singapore heat, even when I've lived there, is very different to running around in not Singapore heat. <laughs> the thing is, though, it's everyone's got to do it, and everyone's probably going to be not used to it. Um, I think you know, the, the Springboks have got the best idea. Uh, whoever fixtured that match versus Japan last weekend, they should be giving that guy a bonus of, of epic proportions because <laughs> to, to get that team there a week ish if not more earlier than everyone else um to play a game already in those temperatures you just talked about all these tracking devices and things like that all this data they've now got of playing in, in these conditions 
they're one step ahead almost, aren't they? They've all got all this information. They've got how these guys perform, how the, the, the ball moves. I don't know how players react in the certain situations. They've got a lot of information there at their hands that, that's going to help them in the long run. And, and not only the fact that they're there longer as well, and so they're already a bit more acclimatized to it than, than the rest of the teams would be. So, yeah, they're, they're clever. They're smart. Those spring boxes certainly, um, I think, got their hats on this year. They seem to really have, in the last, well, this season, 2019 this year, has been a changing year for them. They seem to be a lot more of a, a gelled unit. They seem to be a lot more of a, a squad sort of thing. And, and to get these little foot-ups like this, they just someone there has, has got their thinking cap on and, um, you, can, you can just tell those little differences there as well. And the All Blacks are only been there. They've only just got there, um, what, yesterday, I think it was, that they arrived there. So already they're, um, you know, trying to get used to it, whereas the Springboks have had a long time already there uh, to, to do it, and they've played a game. So big differences, but, yeah, everyone's got to do it. Um, and, yeah, some some are going to struggle more than others, I do think. Uh, anyone from, you know, Ben Smith down this part of the world, going to be a, a little long difference from Dunedin to play in Japan. I feel sorry for the poor lad. Uh, but yeah, there you everyone's go. got to do it. So, wait, hang on. so basically what we're saying is all the Northland players should have been chosen because that's the hottest part of the country. <laughs> uh, um, I'd prefer a tired Ben Smith than I would a um, fully fit Northland player. Oh, you can't even name one either. You couldn't even, you couldn't even put out the hat. You couldn't even go Renny Ranger or something. I was going to say Renny Ranger. <laughs> So what I was going to say, but he's gone. He's not even there anymore. No, he is. Uh, he's no. injured. Is he still there? Oh, he's yeah. still there. Uh, I was going to say that um, the, the fullback, oh, doesn't Jordan Highland play up there still? Does he still play for Northland? Yep, on the wing. Not, not at fullback, but yes, Highland's up there. there. Oh, yep. Oh, that's a player. And that guy, the Highland, has just signed as well. I can't even remember his name. Gregory. Um, who? Gregory. Is his name Gregory? Gregory, that's right. Yep. Yes. Got three. <laughs> Ben Smith, though, any day, over all three of them, even Ranger. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Even Jack never seen him, but he wasn't actually sort of born and bred. Oh. He just plays there. Um, anyway, um, the one thing that did surprise me a little bit, though, was they didn't play with a Rugby World Cup ball. Um, when you're talking about all this attention to detail and marginal gains and yada, 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 I'd have thought they would have played with Rugby World Cup ball um, for that game um, as well, because uh, kicking, um, in particular, kicking goals, can be uh, goalkeepers want to get used to that to the um, uh, to rugby World Cup ball. So yeah, a bit surprised they didn't they, they uh, didn't play with that and play with a sort of Japan ball. Um, so yes, that's maybe, maybe they weren't allowed to. I don't know. I was just going to say, would they be allowed to actually play with that ball before the tournament actually kicks off? I would have thought no, <laughs> but I mean, there's, wouldn't there be a replica or well, not replica, but uh, the same ball without the markings and all that sort of gibberish on it, the same branded ball? Then maybe it's sponsorship, maybe. That normal test match out of the Rugby World Cup has to be played with that sort of ball. Rugby World Cup, different rules. I'd say there'll be something about it that would yeah. stop them. I mean, maybe it was a, uh, a Gilbert um, a World Cup ball in different colours, the exact same style. I don't know. But it, it definitely wasn't, it wasn't the same colours as we're going to see. So that was, um, yeah, it was just, again, those marginal games um, and all of that kind of thing. I mean, one of the themes that we're going to have. Uh, that, that, I mean, we'll probably talk about this on the Hash Rugby Chat next week, but some of the themes of the Rugby World Cup um, have been that because of the extra heat, because of the, the expected hard grounds and the football grounds, that players like Owen Franks, um, uh, Samson Lee for uh, Ireland, so, sorry, for Wales, uh, Devon Toner for Ireland, these kind of players who don't have big engines, who aren't um, and uh, not necessarily as mobile around the pitch, but are fantastic set-piece players, in either the scrum or the line-out, are losing out to the more mobile players um, because of the um, conditions. So, yeah, that is, is kind of interesting. Is it that or is it the, the changing of the game? Because it, is, it has been moving that way for a long time, the more mobile players. I mean, what Dane Coles was, was an anomaly, you know, four years ago. A hooker, a hooker that can run that fast. Sidestep a player, he's got a number two on his back. What the hell is he doing? <laughs> It's it's unheard of. Um, now, everyone's kind of moving into that mold of a hooker. Everyone's going for the try-scoring hooker um, sort of play. So the, the game's changing as well. Um, but yeah, I think you've certainly... It's, it's going to be a running World Cup, isn't it? It's mm. going to be a, a action-packed... There's not going to be the slow, drowned-out kicks to the quarter and just 
burying yourself in someone's 22 because you're in an inch of rain. Teams are going well, to run. Ooh, 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 ooh. It's typhoon season at the beginning of the season. So <laughs> we could... We could have. I mean, there's already been talk of what happens if there is a if if games get cancelled because of weather. Now, if it's knockout game, they rearrange them, reschedule it. But if it's a pool stage game, it's a it's a nil all draw. Could this be the first time that Italy gets a nil all draw with the All Blacks? <laughs> I was thinking about how livid all the people were going to be that go to watch South Africa versus the All Blacks. That gets that gets weathered out. I mean, wow. imagine that. Imagine that backlash because that, that's sold out. That's done. That's gone. That, that's, a, that's a packed house. Um, imagine that. That would be terrible. Don't even say that, Paul. Don't, <laughs> don't even say that. It's not going to happen. You're the one that said it, not okay. me. You said it. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Um, so, yes, that's, uh, that's all going on. Um, what else have we got? Anything else? Lot. I, have a, I have a question for you. Oh, go on. I've, I've been plotting. It's, it's something that the, the media has been doing here a, a fair bit, so I thought it's only fair that we give it a bit of a, a reenactment as well. Um, even Kieran <laughs> Reid's come out and said it as well, that this All Black squad going to the World Cup this year is better than previous um, Rugby World Cup squads for the All Blacks. So let's look back four years. I'm interested, interested in your thoughts as to whether this is a better team squad for the All Blacks some four years ago when they actually were evictors. Have you, have, you got, have you got the list there? I, I have full lists of, of the... Um, well, oh. it's on Wiki. It's on Wiki anyway. Brilliant. Okay. So, okay, so let's so let's run from the top then. Top, top down um, as to... So start with the props then. From 2015? Yep. Okay, so your props for 2015. White Crockett, Charlie Farmoina, Ben Franks, Owen Franks, Puliasi Manu, Joe Moody, and Tony Woodcock. Hang on, and that's you, going. Sorry, you've got seven props there. That's what's well. That's that's for the whole team because they changed the team. So Joe Meadie was called up to replace Tony Woodcock, and Puliasi Manu was called up to replace Wyatt Crockett. Oh, okay, okay. So you can take those guys out if you like. Yeah, take those two out. Um, would Charlie Fumina walk into this squad? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And have Ben Franks and Owen Franks in, in their prime of what they were back then? Um, Owen Franks, ben Franks, maybe not, but Owen Franks, yep. Really? I'd take him. Four, four years ago, Franks. Not not today, Franks. Four years ago, Franks. I understand that, yes. Yes. Um, but, yeah, Charlie Fulminia definitely would walk in here. Um, so, no, I, yeah, I'd, I'd say they were, we had a, they were better props four years ago. And, and the hookers, Dan Coles, Kevin Mialamu, Cody Taylor. Where are the three going uh, four years ago? Up against now, Coles, Holtman and Taylor. So only one change. How yes, but hang on. Let's remember. This is Cody Taylor of four years ago, not yeah, Cody Taylor true. of now. Okay? <laughs> I will take these. I, I would take Cody Taylor, Dane Coles, Liam Coltman. Which is it's amazing. Back then, four years ago, Cody Taylor had only played three caps mm-hmm. heading into that Rugby World Cup. You've got now he's sitting up there just a, a shimmy away from 50. There was a big, um, there was big hoo-ha when he got selected for the Samoa test saying he was going to be a one cap wonder and that we were giving and that they were giving away test um, test caps uh, on that trip to Samoa. Um, here he is four years or five, five years later. Uh, we, as you say, with 50 caps. <laughs> doing a good job. Right. Mm-hmm. So the second row, this is going to be an interesting one for you. Retallick, Romano and Whitelock. I mean, it, it could very easily have been the same. This they, year only yeah, they, they only went with three and they went with, Four, five, six back rows, as opposed to what they're doing. They're only going five back rows this year. Yep, so difference. Um, yep. What I want today's Retallick, Whitelock, and Barrett instead. Um, hmm. <laughs> it's much of a muchness, isn't it, really? It is, yeah. I mean, you, you're really comparing whether you prefer Whitelock or you'd prefer, oh, not Whitelock, you prefer Barrett or you prefer Romano. Yeah, because Retallick and White, well, actually, you know what? I'll take those ones because Retallick isn't injured and he's available for the full tournament. <laughs> that, that's true. But if you're comparing fit players, I guess you could say, you, you'd certainly take a, a now Whitelock, wouldn't you, over, um, not Whitelock, Retallick over, over the four years ago. He was good back then, but I think his last, his last two years of his game has been next level. He's, he's taken off, I think. So I'm going to yep. go against it. I'll, I'll take this year's ones. Okay. Um, although I'm not a fan of Tui Plotu. I do like Luke Romano, but I just think 
the Retallic Whitelock combination is top of the pop it's no strong. matter what. Okay, yep. Yeah. Um, in the back row, so what are we looking at? 2015, uh, we had Sam Kane, Joe Kaino, Richie McCaw, of course, uh, Liam Messam. They were the flankers, and of course, number eights were Kieran Reid and Victor Vito. <laughs> yeah, I'll take those all day. <laughs> Every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not even a contest, is it? <laughs> Give <laughs> me back row with Richie McCaw and uh, Jerome Kaino. Who cares yeah, who McCaw, else? Yeah, Kaino. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And Sun Kane was still there. I mean, Sun Kane captained the team in that Rugby World Cup, remember? So, yeah, he was still decent. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'd, I'd, I'd happily drop Victor Vito um, to allow me to have uh, Topolotto to get the right balance in the squad. But I think they were basically there. You've got um, Jerome Kaino who can play. Um, who, who, who can play there? And Ollie Brown, row, yeah. what have I missed? Ollie Brown, you've missed 45 minutes of the show. I can't go through and remind you what, what 45 <laughs> minutes of the show is. What we're running through at the moment is comparing the 2015 with the 2019 um, All Black squad. Uh, we're just about to get on to Scrum Half, and I'm guessing it's going to be pretty much very similar to what we've got today. It is. It's pretty much exactly the same. Piranara, Smith, and Corobalo was the other one. So you're pretty much uh, swapping out Corobalo for Weber. So one chief for another. I <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> uh, the only thing I think is probably T.J. Piranha is probably better than he was, but Aaron Smith might have been better then. So, uh, for, yeah. Yeah, that, um, yeah, that's a good point. Kerr Barlow and Brad Webber, will, neither of whom will see much rugby. <laughs> no. No, I feel sorry for Brad Webber. I, I really would have liked to see him actually play against Tonga. I really thought that, that was, I thought it was going to be his big chance, his big game. Yep. But um, sadly not. Maybe Namibia. Um, fly halves, number 10s. Right, three were taken. Um, contrasting, Bowden Barrett, Daniel, the uh, perfect 10, Carter, and uh, Colin Slade was the uh, third choice number 10 taken there. So, a bit of, a bit of experience there. Yeah, fresh Bowden Barrett for only 30 caps. Um, yes, and Bowden Barrett was there was taken as basically a, as, a, uh, as, as a 10 slash 15, wasn't he? Hence, we'll probably only have four back, four, back, four back three players. Is my guess when we get down to it. Um, uh, I'll, yes, Dan Carter, please. <laughs> the midfield, though, this could be this could be. Well, no, it's probably not going to be interesting. Um, so you had uh, Fikitoa, Malachi Fikitoa, Ma'anonu, Conrad Smith, and the one and only Sonny Bill Williams. I mean, you, you can't really go past the old firm there, can you? Twelve and thirteen. Um, Actually, I, I well, yeah, I, I would say I, I prefer this lot now than those because, to me, I think Conrad Smith was past it by the time the Rugby World Cup came around. They were both 33, so they were both um, knocking on the door of that uh, too old bracket, weren't they? But you, you're never going to find anyone that were going to replace those two, I don't think. I, no. I, I couldn't, I can't go for it. I, yeah, I like, I think we've got a great future in what's there now, like good Hugh. Leonard Brown, fantastic players. They, they're going to be there for a long, long time. They're going to be like the next Nonu and Conrad Smith kind of players. They're going to be around there forever. Um, but those two guys, too experienced, too too consistent, too unbreakable. I just, yeah, I just like what they brought the game. Uh, we'll, go, we'll go with the outside backs because there was only four of them, uh, four backs and wingers. Yeah, Nehemi on a scutter, Waisaki Naholo, Julian Savia, and Ben Smith. Now, I guess the... Um what we can say here is that, look, you got George Bridge and Sever Reese, zero experience. But then again, that Naholo and that Neymar Lascada had zero experience as well. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it, it's, it's a bit like for like there in um, oh, yeah, redoing history. Um, but the you can probably put, um, as, 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 as we would have taken the three first five eights, we're going to have to take the, the back three from last year to fit, fit, fit in the 31. Um, but... Um, and whilst Julian Severe was 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 in and out, I mean, just the way he dealt dealt with France, wow. Ben Smith, yeah, he's a bit long in the tooth now, much better then. So yes, I would again go for twenty fifteen. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned about that that uh, experience or the caps that those guys had because you're spot on. But in contrast, um, Bridge and uh, Reese are actually twice as experienced as those two were. Milner Scott only had two caps at that point, and the Holo had just. The one. Really? Why, why are we getting so excited about the holo after one cap? Well, he one, leaves on his legs. One cap and a broken and a broken foot. Wow. Gee, we're and, like, and we've was, got to have him. My the end word. of the world. 
It's quite how, amazing. How the memory plays tricks on you, eh? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Those golden leaves, though. <laughs> golden leaves. And we've got one fullback as well, which really does play into what you said, Bowden Barrett. Really was that fullback cover, the only fullback mm. cover. Um, he was the golden boy, too, in that final. So that's the difference. Yeah, he, he was he's fullback cover, whereas now um, Geordie Barrett is 10 cover. <laughs> oh, no, don't say that. Come on, it's true. No, not a chance. Um, so yes, so no, this team is not as good as 2015. <laughs> Put bluntly. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty <laughs> one-sided, wasn't it, really? Kieran Reid, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I understand it's kind of like trying to build up and yeah, make, make yourselves feel confident and stuff and going into the World Cup and all that kind of stuff, but rubbish, yes. <laughs> the difference is, though, you're looking at you're looking at 2015 team. Now you're looking at uh, how amazing those players were and how they finished a lot of them their career. A lot of these guys are in, in the core. You, you, you probably look back at this in, in 2023 and you'd say, Man, the, the career um, that, she's um, I don't know, Jack Goodhue had was fantastic. No one remembers who Conrad Smith was because he was that brilliant. Um, so it's, it's kind of that hindsight thing, isn't it, too? You can look back at it and say how amazing their career was. You look at that guy um, as opposed to right now, what he's done. Yep. Um, another question in the chat. Did the selector say that Geordie is 10 cover? They said that they had TJ Pirinara, Geordie Barrett, uh, Ryan Crotty, has apparently played 10 before uh, at, at, at schoolboy age, like 50 years ago. Um, and they also said, joke, um, whether this was serious or not, that um, Ben Smith is so good he can play anywhere. That's, <laughs> so there you go. Don't You've argue with that. Four players who can uh, cover 10 um, officially. Sonny Bill Williams will be able to as well, because why hasn't he done? I mean, playing 10 <laughs> in a World Cup game, add it to the list of accolades. Why not? Um, yeah, definitely agree with the 2015 with team was epic. That's true. Um, the a good point here that uh, where is it um, that basically uh, the, the, that uh, it bodes well. Are they well for Reese and Bridge that um, um, that there would be that that, that Naholo and Neymar's kind of went in with zero experience um, as well. Yeah, Bridge definitely is a long term prospect, but then again. Rico Rwani was a long-term prospect. They signed it up for four years. He may never play for the All Blacks again. Oh. <laughs> I mean, Rico... Apart from Namibia. so young, isn't he? He's so young. I mean, you compare him to, to Bridge. They're the same age. And you say, Bridge is the new up-and-comer. And, and I'm pretty sure they're both 22. Rico's definitely 22. Um, I'm pretty sure George Bridge is 22 as well. And, uh, I mean, and to how, be fair to Rico, how are Rico, they? Oh, he's 24. Rico, who is? What, Rico? No, uh, Bridge. Bridge is 24. Uh, Bridge so is Bridge older is than Rico. older. Enrico, yes. Um, and Enrico has said he wants to play 13. So he wants to move in. Um, uh, Sivu Reese, who's 22 as well. So there you go. So you've got a 22 and a 24-year-old replacing a 22-year-old. That, that, that is seriously mind-blowing. Um, and when we look at the... And I know that the Rugby World Cup rankings have taken an absolute bashing in recent weeks. But the gap between... Yeah, New Zealand number two now. The gap between the top five is minuscule. It, it, it's, it, it has really closed up. Four years ago, the gap between first and second, it was like people weren't saying who's the best in the world. It was, right, who's the second best in the world? And we had Ireland, Wales, South Africa, I think England as well, all swapping around the number two um, position in the run-up to that 2015 competition. Uh, and yeah, but there was no chance we were going to get number one. Uh, it just shows you that, yeah, this team is not as far ahead of the competition as that 2015 team was by any stretch. Yeah, I mean, it comes a lot into it. Like they've been talking about as well as it's who you're playing. That comes a lot into it as well. I think the fall of, of Australia quite remarkably down the rankings has had probably a bit of an effect on how the All Blacks ranking has gone as well because that's equally between them, South Africa and Argentina, two sides, um, Argentina included there, who are quite far down outside that sort of well, Australia's right on the, the the end of it, but Argentina out of that top six completely, so aren't aren't really going to give us any ranking points whatsoever. But um, over, over the other side of the globe, there you've got you say just about five or four really top tier sides. I mean, but, what but France also, if you look at doing this year, if look at the um, you look at uh, twenty um, was it twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen. In twenty fifteen, they lost one game. 
to Australia. Um, in the first previous three years, I think they lost something like two games or three games over that. They only lost they lost they lost a handful of games. Um, whereas New Zealand now have lost a handful of games in the last two in the last sort of um, twelve months. So the you can say all you like about oh it's just the strength of opposition. No 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 you you've lost to Australia and um, and draw with South Africa. You lost to South Africa last year. You lost to um, the Lions and things. Uh, you lost to Ireland. Uh, you've lost a lot more games this time round. Uh, so yeah, no, th- there's a good reason why the ranking has. It's still a very good ranking, folks. They're still winning, losing one or two games a year at most. Um, but still, um, it's going to be. They are a very. They they just they're just not a, a 2015. <laughs> Always going back to that 2015 team. Yep. Um. There we go. Uh, can Rico play 15? Oh, dear. Um, I think. Uh, no. <laughs> his, kick, his kicking game isn't there, essentially. Um, I'll expect to play Jordan. 15. Um, he's played um, 13 or 12, um, predominantly 13, all the way through age grade. Um, and has only been put on the wing come, uh, come Super Rugby time. Uh, a bit like Damien McKenzie, who's played 10 all the way up through age grades and then only moved to fullback at Super Rugby. Um, so Rico, yeah, is is he feels he's a thirteen, but then again, Jordy Barrett's played twelve and ten all the way through um, uh, age grade rugby as well. So he he sees himself as a twelve that just happens to be learning the trade at fifteen. Come Jordy on, Barrett is a, he's a conundrum, isn't he? Boy, I I really like him at fifteen. I I really like the the, the commitment. I I think is probably one way to put it. He's amazing. He just seems to be, if he's on his own and he's put his back against the wall, he does unbelievable things. But you put him on the end of a, a back line where he can probably put a bit too much reliance on other players and other people to do things that maybe he should be doing or not doing. Uh, he just doesn't seem the same player. I mean, through the hurricane season, he was at fullback. I mean, the try saving tackles he made were phenomenal. Um, and then back on the wing or at centre or whatever, he's, he's gone. He's gone. He's just so a mop flying around. You're not looking forward to post rugby World Cup. Um, the uh, 10, 12, 13 combination of Damien McKenzie, Geordie Barrett, Rico Iwani as your 10, 12, no. 13. You're not, you're not going to get rid of good, good Hugh and Len- Leonard Brown that easily. Those two guys are still going to be there in some capacity. Ooh, oh, wow. Okay. Um, Rico is the Doug Howler of this World Cup cycle, only going to um, remember for scoring a lot of tries. And dancing on cars? Is that what Doug Howlett did? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yes. Doug Howlett, yeah, so my, my, my memory, well, my knowledge doesn't go about that far. But I, sure, I mean, Doug Howlett would have played a lot more games if he hadn't gone over to, to Ireland, surely. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, he was he was the um, easy, his spot. It was all his spot. He had no real competition there at all. He was the, um, what would you call it? Just, yeah, it was him. He was one of the first names on the team sheet. Him, Rokothoko, that was a pretty solid... Uh, back line up there yeah he would have been top try scorer or if he's not still anyway um definitely um cool well then everybody head over to, to um to uh, cornflakes uh youtube channel subscribe over there and um don't forget also subscribe and get the bell on here please um and um because what uh, Steve over on um, Cornflakes on, on his channel called Cornflakes uh, is going to be doing is um, basically live broadcasting, join the games, join the World Cup. So um, join him, join the games, watch the games with him. I might be joining him for some of those um, as well. Uh, obviously on this channel, uh, not this channel, um, on the driving, oh, yes, actually on this channel, we'll be doing post-match reactions to all the All Blacks games at the Rugby World Cup. Um, so uh, don't forget to say, hit that subscribe and the bell. Um, as well to make sure you get notifications about all of those when we go live, basically. I think that's pretty much it, isn't it? In a nutshell. Perfect. In a nutshell. Become a Patreon as well. Become a supporter of the channel. And, one, um, one lonely dollar. One lonely dollar a month. That's all it takes. And I'll be a happy man. Me too. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Um, so tomorrow night, I'm going to be at Waikato versus Subcon Blank, uh, Hawks Bay. Then I'm up at Northland versus Canterbury. I don't know why I'm going to that game because it's going to be a one-sided affair. And then on Saturday, I'll be at Counties Manukau versus, um, oh, who are they playing? Auckland. 
And then this weekend, there's going to be a special show over on the Drive More channel at eight o'clock on Sunday, where I'll be having um, two of the guys who do the uh, rugby forecast and rugby vision, I think it is, um, who, two of the guys who do the um, algorithm uh, predictions. And we're going to be talking about how they do algorithm predictions. Um, so if that floats your boat, then uh, join us on Sunday for that.